Hi, I'm Pastor Adam, and you're listening to the Orange United Methodist Sermon Podcast. We're a church in Chapel Hill, North Carolina, that wants to help you find your place in God's story. And we hope this sermon can guide you along that journey. Visit orangemethodist.org to find out more information about location, service times, upcoming events, and ways to give. We hope you enjoy. This is the Word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. And thank you, Ezra, for that wonderful reading of our scripture this morning. Good morning. My name is Brad Inman, and I'm one of the associate pastors here at Orange. And I'm so glad to continue our sermon series, Hope On, this morning, as we consider the hope for understanding that is universal to all of us. For me, hope for understanding is an an especially important type of hope because, in general, Things just have to make sense to me. If I'm going to act, believe, move, do anything in this world, it has to make sense to me first. Now, I'm certainly not always right about the decisions that I make, but at least in the moment that I'm acting, it at least has to make sense in my head. Basically, I'm like one of the least impulsive people ever. And unfortunately, there are things in this world that just don't make any sense. There are circumstances in which the answers will never be available, and I'm forced to move forward anyway. And I really hate those times. I hate them because it forces me to move forward without control, without knowing what the future holds, without being able to think several steps ahead like I so love to do. And with that forced movement forward comes anxiety. I really don't like anxiety. I think a clear example of this comes from my seminary days when I worked uh, for a uh, part-time youth program uh, that was run by the school. It was a summer program, and the director and I had just hired our summer staff. And to get to know one another and bond and begin to work together, we started to do a series of team-building exercises. We had done several, and they were going really well. People were finding their role on the team, everyone was involved, and everybody was just clicking. And then my boss pulled out a team-building activity that forced us out of our comfort zones on purpose, out of the roles that we were comfortable with. We needed to complete a very complicated puzzle that was made out of wood pieces, and it just didn't really make sense about what we were supposed to be doing. And to make it more difficult, Of the 10 people, only two got to receive the full picture and the instructions of how the final puzzle was supposed to work together. So the rest of us just had to blindly follow without seeing the big picture. We were allowed to work on our own and kind of do a trial and error thing to see if pieces fit together. But eventually, in order to finish the puzzle, we would have to listen to the people who had the complete picture. And I hated it. I tried just fitting together two like random pieces to see if they fit, but I couldn't get two pieces to fit together, much less kind of work on my own section and then see how it would work with everybody else. Others in the group kind of found their own groove as they were happy to kind of mindlessly follow the instructions. But I was paralyzed by the unknown. I wouldn't say that I gave up. I tried to listen to my big picture instructors and find the pieces that they were describing, but I just felt useless, unmotivated, and lost. I knew we'd get there eventually, but not knowing what the final picture looked like 
and how I could help bring that picture to completion made me feel worthless. Not being able to understand the situation around me just threw me off completely. You can imagine how I've been feeling for the last few months. A time defined by uncertainty, the inability to plan, and constant, consistent, unknowable change. It has not been fun, and I'm sure you all feel the same. But it has also not really been that unfamiliar of a feeling. Because as much as I long for understanding and strive to know the world around me and the best way to navigate through it, so much of life is just unknowable. I work with teenagers who are for the very first time beginning to understand what the world is like outside the bubble of their own families. They're learning who they are, what their identity is, what that means, and how it can impact the world around them. Being a teenager is like the epitome of being forced into action without understanding. And then most people in their 20s at some point discover that that picture of the world that they created in their teenage years isn't really the way that the world is. They're forced to undo, adjust, fail, and try again until they have a working framework for how the world works. And then even as adults, when we think we've got it all figured out, there are enough obstacles to keep most of us from feeling comfortable in the swirling world around us. The unknowable future is especially unsettling when it comes to things like job loss, moves, health, and raising kids. Most people, me included, grew up imagining that one day we would just finally figure it all out. We grew up looking at the adults that we Uh, that we were fond of and admire, thinking, one day I'll have it all figured out, just like her, not knowing that she's just faking it till she makes it, just like everybody else. As much as we long for understanding, the older I get, the more I realize there's just so much that I will never understand. At times I can deal with it, but at other times it just seems overwhelming. What do you do when you find yourself in a place that you just don't understand, but you're forced to move forward? In our story today, I think we see a picture of a man who's lost in a world of not understanding. The Ethiopian eunuch, which is, by the way, not the title I think he would have wanted to go by. Luke, you could have dug a little bit deeper, found out if his name was Bill or something. But Ethiopian eunuch... Uh, He was a man who was clearly in search for understanding. In many ways, he was a walking contradiction. In his nation, he was a high-ranking official who was free to travel in style hundreds of miles away in service of his queen. But in the eyes of the Jews, and this story is very early on in the early church, after Jesus ascended into heaven, he was a foreigner. And though some non-Jews could be converted to Judaism and be considered full converts as a eunuch, this man would likely never be considered a full-fledged part of God's people. But these matters didn't keep the eunuch away from God. Clearly, he felt something drawing him in. There was some connection to Judaism that he wanted to explore. He traveled up from Africa to Jerusalem for the purpose of worshiping. He believed in God, or he wanted to, 
but full understanding eluded him. He, his standing in the world was complicated, and the rules of religion only seemed to complicate that further. Who was this God, and how did he, a foreign eunuch, fit into the story? He was lost and confused. Enter Philip. <laughs> God sent Philip especially and specifically to the Ethiopian eunuch. And as Philip approached him, he saw the man for what he was, not an undeserving foreigner, but a confused person struggling to know God and how he fit in the story. Immediately, Philip knew what to do. He jumped up into the chariot and picked up right where the man had been reading, but had been unable to understand. And there may not be a more relatable person in all of Scripture than the eunuch reading from the Old Testament and having trouble understanding. But what he was reading could not have been a more perfect place for Philip to step in and fill in the gaps. The eunuch was reading from Isaiah 53, the passage about the suffering servant, Jesus. The eunuch likely had access to the Old Testament scriptures, but remember, this is the early church. There weren't printed gospels, there weren't printed accounts of the gospel at this time. He may have heard stories of this guy, Jesus, who caused some trouble a few years ago, but no one had explained to him who Jesus was and how he could not just make the Old Testament make sense, but make his place in the world make sense. Jesus was the connection between himself and God. Jesus was the missing link. So that's what Philip did. Philip told him that the suffering servant described in Isaiah was Jesus, the Son of God who lived without sin but died for the sins of all people. Philip was able to explain that Jesus was the embodiment of God's love for all. The eunuch fit in God's story because he, along with all of humanity, was loved enough by God that he died for him so that he could be in a loving relationship. Philip told the eunuch that he was a beloved child of God. And with Philip's explanation, everything clicked and the eunuch was ready to act and believe and move forward and he was baptized that very day. If you long for understanding, whether it's your place in God's story or your current life circumstances, but you just can't find it, I think that there's a lot we can learn from the story of the Ethiopian eunuch. First of all, is that we have some agency. God miraculously brought understanding to the eunuch in the form of Philip, but before that, the eunuch was actively yearning and pursuing God. He didn't sit back in Ethiopia and wish that he just knew more. He traveled hundreds of miles to Jerusalem to listen to the teachers there and to join in worship. He acquired scriptures and he tried to read them and understand them. He wasn't idle in his longing and pursuit and his hope for understanding. He actively pursued God. Unfortunately, this is a mistake that I think a lot of young people make, and not just teenagers. We grow up in the church passively learning a lot about God, but then maybe we go off to college and some of our beliefs are challenged, and we let those challenges fester without searching for an answer. Soon enough, challenges turn to doubt, and doubt unattended can corrode faith. 
I hate to say it, but oftentimes it's just laziness. If there's no simple, clear-cut answer to the challenge, oftentimes we're too lazy or maybe too scared to really pursue God through that challenge. But if understanding God is as important as we hope it is, we must take agency to actively seek that understanding, just like the Ethiopian eunuch. The second lesson that I think that we can learn from this is that even with searching, oftentimes it's not enough. We all need help in understanding God and our place in the story along the way. The Ethiopian eunuch showed great humility in inviting a low-class foreigner into his chariot to explain the scriptures to him. That's not easy. And on the flip side, being a Philip who is willing to follow God's call to encourage, explain, and uplift a complete stranger is equally important. Though none of us have it all together, we have hopefully experienced Jesus in some way. And when we share our place in God's story with others, we can help them find their place. I doubt that Philip was some practiced scriptural scholar, but he knew Jesus, and that was enough. And with the help of the Holy Spirit, Philip was able to shepherd a man lost in confusion to belief in Jesus. When we find ourselves confused by the world, by God, by, by even ourselves, we must humble ourselves to ask for help. And for the times when we can share our stories for others, we must have the courage to step up. One of my favorite Methodist traditions is the Wesleyan quadrilateral. Even though that term was only coined in the past 100 years, it describes the way that John Wesley, the founder of Methodism, strove to understand God and the world around him. Quadrilateral, for you who haven't been in your geography class all summer, um, is a shape with four sides. And it's basically that Wesley wanted to under, whenever Wesley wanted to understand anything, he applied knowledge from four areas, scripture, tradition, experience, and reason. And the Ethiopian eunuch, he applied all four. He studied the scriptures, he traveled to Jerusalem to partake in traditional worship and to listen to teachers. He was clearly striving to use his reason to think through belief in God. And his simple answer to Philip's question about whether he understood the scriptures or not with, how can I understand unless someone explains it to me? reveals wisdom of someone who draws from their experiences. And yet, until the miraculous unveiling of the truth through the person of Philip, despite doing all he could to apply the Wesleyan quadrilateral and earnestly searching after God, the eunuch was still nonetheless confused about who God was and how he fit in the story. Before Philip, he was lost in that very sea of misunderstanding. Through that frustration and that anxiety, how did he hold on to the hope that one day he would understand? This is actually my second sermon on hope this year. Uh, back in December, our Advent sermon series was on, uh, was on love, on peace, on joy, and on hope. Um, and in my sermon on hope, I described hope as being a desire rooted in faith. Hope is desire rooted in faith. Hoping for understanding, then, 
is actually pretty ironic for most of us because for many, understanding is what fuels our faith. If you're like me and you need to understand in order to believe and to act, then the primary foundation of your faith is likely understanding. How then can you root your desire for understanding in faith that has been weakened by your lack of understanding? Do you see what a nasty cycle that is? Maybe this will help explain. It's an, it's an illustration that I like to use pretty frequently with our youth. Um, and it's that imagine that you're, there's a canyon and you're on one side and God is on the other. Eventually, we want to reach over to God's side where we're completely with him. We believe in him. We trust him fully. But for most of us, when we begin that faith journey, that canyon just looks insurmountable. It's too wide and we just can't make it across. So we try to build a bridge to make that gap a little less daunting. We try to learn about him. We try to experience him. We try to understand him and live a life that reflects him. And as we do, we build that bridge that brings us a little bit closer. And if you're like me, then the building blocks of that bridge is understanding And the Wesleyan quadrilateral is our toolbox. We search the scriptures. We examine our life experiences. We use our reason. We listen to those who are handing down knowledge from the past to us. And each moment of understanding becomes the next plank that is bringing us closer to God. Eventually, the bridge that we build makes our leap of faith small enough that we're able to take the courage to make the jump. But imagine that you're standing on that bridge. You've walked maybe halfway across, but a few planks that you've used to get there have crumbled beneath your feet as you stepped. You don't even know how you got to that place anymore. The steps ahead of you are missing, and the fog has rolled in so that God's face is hidden from you. You're anxious, you're scared, you're confused to the point of paralysis. You want to move forward, but the planks you've been building with are sourced from your understanding and you've, you've just got none left. You can't go any further. I think that's what it's like to be in a place yearning for understanding, hoping for it, but not being able to find it. And in that situation, we're supposed to hope. We're supposed to plant that desire for more understanding with faith, but the thing that we desire is the very substance of our faith. That just doesn't make any sense. How? We have to remember that the point is not to build the perfect bridge, but to get to God's side. None of us will ever fully comprehend God. None of us will be able to prove his existence. None of us will be able to go through life without feeling lost, confused, hopeless, or paralyzed by fear at times. We're all going to be anxious by being forced to act and move forward without knowing what is to come, what the right thing is, or whether our foot will find firm ground beneath it. None of us are ever going to build that perfect bridge. Our faith, the force that gives us the ability to take that next step forward, must be based more on just understanding. Sometimes faith requires us to step forward toward God even though we don't understand and we don't know what is to come. I can't believe I'm saying this, but sometimes faith needs to be blind. Sometimes we need to walk forward through the fog of confusion. 
if Philip had encountered the Ethiopian maybe 10 minutes later, instead of struggling through Isaiah 53, 7 through 8, he would have been reading Isaiah 55, 8 through 12, just two chapters later. And in this passage, it says, God says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. As the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater, so is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. You will go out in joy and be led forth in peace. Luckily for the Ethiopian eunuch, Philip had been sent to explain the gospel to him, and he got the very understanding that he desired. But I can absolutely see a scenario playing out where Philip could have satisfied the eunuch's desire and hope for understanding with this passage as well. In it, God reminds us that his thoughts and actions are beyond our comprehension. Our bridge, if based solely on understanding, will never safely deliver us to his side. Instead, God makes a promise that if we seek him, if we yearn for him, if we trust in him, he will bring us to his side. It's not up to us to make sense of God. It's not up to us to make sense of the world. We can try, and it can be helpful in bringing us closer to God, but ultimately, it will not be enough. And God tells us to trust him and keep walking anyway. That's a big ask. Hope isn't easy. Faith isn't easy, especially when we don't understand. Though we may desire understanding, God beckons us forward whether we have it or not. We can hope for it, and it can be helpful. Proverbs 4, 7 tells us, though it costs all you have, gain understanding. But Proverbs 3, 5 tells us, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Part of me wishes that life was just all about having a giant puzzle in front of me that I just had to figure out, but that's not it. Ultimately, in order to keep moving forward in moments of doubt, our understanding need only be about one truth. And that's the truth that the Ethiopian eunuch found. Though I may not understand everything about God, though we may not understand everything about God, though we may be confused and anxious about the world around us, we are beloved children of God. And if we can even begin to understand a fragment of the magnitude of that truth, we can trust and keep walking forward no matter the fog of confusion around us. Hope for understanding. Seek after it. Ask for help. Discover as much about God and the world and yourself as you can. But don't let confusion and a lack of understanding paralyze you. Understand that you are loved by God and keep walking forward. Let not understanding but trust in God's love for you be the fuel to your faith that keeps you moving forward 
and hoping on. Amen. Let us pray. Dear God, we thank you so much for this day. And though we may not like it all the time, God, we thank you sometimes for confusion, for not understanding. Though it's frustrating, though it's anxiety-inducing, it also forces us to trust in you. God, we pray that you would give us what we need to understand, to understand you, to understand our life circumstances, to give us the courage to move forward. But in the times where we just don't understand, where we can't understand, we pray that you would give us the faith and the trust in you to keep moving forward toward you through the confusion. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's sermon. Please join us again next week. In the meantime, you can find us online at orangemethodist.org.